Hey, uh, Ronan here again. Uh, perhaps you've just finished listening to the last podcast. Perhaps you've kept it for this one for another day. But uh, this is part two of the Right Here, Right Now chats. I sat down only a few hours ago for about 25 minutes with uh, Cormac McCarthy, who is, um, I refer to him by at least five different uh, titles, um, some of them artistic titles, some of them alluding to one of the classiest midfielders in my lifetime. And he is the curator and arranger of Sunday evening at the Right Here Right Now Festival with the Cork Opera House Orchestra and a a rake and a range of different uh, trad and folk musicians. It's it's going to be brilliant. It's going to be the first concert I go to in my 40s and it's a pretty good start. I can't remember what the first concert I went to in my 30s was, but I guarantee you this will be better. Um, yeah, we we talk about the bill. We talk about why it's important. He explains his process. And that is about it, I suppose. I'm I'm drawing a blank. Maybe I should write a script before I do these intros. But then that might make the conversation sound less brilliant. There's a great term. But anyway, look, enjoy your listen. Uh, if you like it, please share and like and all that. And your comments are great. And uh, tell people. If you enjoy this, tell your friends. If you didn't, tell your enemies. Uh, tickets for this particular concert are still available. You can go to the Cork Opera House's website. It's probably the easiest way of doing it. See you there. Uh if actually if you see me there give us a wave or something um, or come over and say hello I'm not actually that uh, unapproachable uh, thanks again to Atmac who uh, fixed the very thing I'm recording this into and uh, Badger and Dodo who's I'm not looking at right now but I was looking at about two hours ago what it's completely believable because it's true but you know, I could equally make that up. But anyway, their support uh, helps me. And if if you support those businesses, uh, say I sent you or whatever. Anyway, sorry, this is Cork. This is Cork Conversations. This is a conversation with Cormac McCarthy. And over to me. Hello, me. Uh, thanks for uh, introducing myself. And today we have our first ever repeat guest, which is Cormac McCarthy. Welcome back. Hey, Ronan. Very good. So we spoke a few months ago, and now this is a much uh, bigger project in terms of numbers. Anyway, uh, the other one was equally uh, creatively uh, big. But we are sitting in the Opera House. It's five five days before um, you take. I su- suppose you take centre stage, but bring a load of guests on. Would that be the best way of describing what, what you're doing? Um, I don't know, is that how I'd see it? But, okay. Um, I don't know, is that just to protect myself from maybe avoiding the limelight a little bit, even if it's if I'm only bluffing myself? Oh. Um, but I guess what it is is that um, the Opera House uh, came to me and asked me to put together a show for the festival um, that would involve kind of trad and folk musicians with the orchestra. So, and in fairness to them, they just gave me a blank canvas, and I got to choose what players I would think would be suitable, um, and who would bring something to the festival in general, I guess. 
and uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun, kind of, uh, I suppose, working with the, the special guests, the artists who were involved, and um, we're going to bring them all together with the orchestra at the weekend, so I'm really looking forward to it. So, to pick you up on one thing, like, you know, when a, when a yank asks me, like, hey, what's the difference yeah. between the fiddle and the violin? And, yeah. like, I usually simplify it that, you know, you play the fiddle in trad and the violin in classical music because it's yeah. more formal. So just to use that as a, as a theme, yeah. how, like, orchestras are renowned for, you know, um, rehearsed playing, sight reading, this kind of yeah. stuff, whereas trad and folk is like, you know, off the cuff, watch me for the changes. Yeah. So, but your background is both, isn't it? So could you yeah. talk me through your, like, your musical background that brings you to this point? Yeah, well, I think my musical background, in a way, is reflective of a lot of people of my generation. So, when you'd look, even at the weekend, uh, the band Stronger playing, and they're all, like, trained classical musicians. Um, like Maria and Lucia, the two fiddle players, I mean, they play all over the world, both as classical musicians, then as session musicians, almost even in a pop and rock sense, but also as traditional and folk musicians. So... There is a growing number of people who are classically trained, but also deeply rooted in Irish traditional music. And that's actually opened up a lot of possibilities as to how to approach the music. Because I've worked a lot with, let's say, Maria and Lucia, where I've written out specific parts for them, but then also given them scope to use their own um, as you say, the off-the-cuff element and the improvised element and the fact that they're very deeply rooted in the tradition makes it really interesting. Um, so just going back to your question, I guess, like in order to, to merge the two, you, you have to still, I guess, a lot of the orchestral players, you still have to think, you have to lay out the orchestral parts as you would any orchestral part. It has to be very clear, it has to be precise, they play exactly what's written. And, but there is a kind of a flexibility you can subtly introduce around that, which still allows the trad players or the soloists to have an element of improvisation. And it's a tricky one, but it's, you know what, more and more people are doing it, and it's, I find it really interesting, mm. really interesting. And for the most part, the feedback from orchestral musicians to this sort of thing is really positive, and they really enjoy it, you know, so... And we'll, we'll go through the, the guests one by one, I suppose. And to, you know, to the, your, your average punter, probably the biggest name would be Donald Lunny. Because, yes, you know, of course. And the, the thing is, you know, so many people have... Everyone's heard Donald Lunny's work, but half the time they don't know he's done it because, you know, he's been the producer or he's been the guest and stuff. What's it like working? Like, what's it like telling him... What to play? Like or yeah, no, that's a you know what that's a good question, and it's something that I was a little bit nervous about. Now I have worked with him before, and he's actually a really nice guy, a really nice guy. But as you said, he's a legend, I suppose, and that, I know that word is bandied around a lot, but he he is really, you know, and he was central to the kind of folk revival of the seventies. Um, so and he, like he's made you know what he's laid the ground for even you could argue for what we're doing this weekend mm. were it not for the likes of Donald Lunny you know in the 60s and 70s this probably wouldn't be happening so when you've got a guy of that kind of I suppose um, somebody who's held in that regard and who's that that important to the movement that's happened in the last 30-40 years 
you do have to really respect them. Um, and what I've tried to do in order to showcase Donald is I, I got in touch with him and I said, look, we'd love to play some of your tunes because he's written some really interesting music, um, forward thinking, music that's kind of incorporated a lot of different styles, mm-hmm. but still is, you know, always played by traditional musicians and I find very interesting. Because it isn't Turkish yeah, music? He, like, so yeah, he'd, yeah. So he'd be quite interested in Eastern European music, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and like Macedonian music and like Balkan music basically and Hungarian music so he is influenced by that and I mean the bazooki which is the instrument he generally plays is a Greek instrument so yeah but going back to telling about telling Donald what to play as such um, I was nervous sending him I just like so I did a, I had one of his tunes arranged for orchestra and I just sent a kind of a MIDI mock-up of it onto him and I was nervous to know what he would think of it but he came back and he was delighted, so um, I was chuffed at myself, to be honest, and I felt, I felt good about it, knowing that, you know, he doesn't feel like it's, uh, you know, sabotaging his work in any way, or, you know, so it, that, was, that was nice, and, um, but as I said, he's an absolute pleasure to work with, he's just a nice guy, and he's also so professional, and you learn from these guys too, you know, mm-hmm. they, they really know what they're at. So was it, to go back, when I called you, um, when a better t- title for you might be mid- midfield general of the event because <laughs> you're the guy who's taking the ball Andrea and, like, Pirlo of yeah, the yeah. operation yeah. <laughs> so, um, so that's me alright Ronan you're, yeah, you're yeah. A, and it's the, the hair and the shirt that you're wearing <laughs> you know, um, because you're the curator and the arranger of this so yeah. w- which came first was it these are tunes that I'd like to work with these people would represent those tunes well or did you go through the CDs going like for instance that's a great thing by Martin O'Connor. I want to work with that yeah. thing. Um, I suppose it's a little bit of both. So the, the most important thing really is to have musicians who are flexible and who are, you think, would be open and able to work with an orchestra mm. because not everybody can. You know, and a lot of people who are incredibly talented and brilliant soloists etc mightn't be totally suited to working with an orchestra and that's totally fine so I suppose you just have to think um, of who might work well in, in that context and I mean the likes of Martin and Donald would have done it plenty of times before and obviously Strong come from a classical background so they're well used to it and they've actually played with the Operas Orchestra before as well um, and so the way it worked really was I guess I've been doing a lot of arranging for the Opera House Concert Orchestra, which is just a fantastic vehicle for me and for uh, a lot of musicians around the city who get to play in a professional orchestra because, like, I mean, I need, need to remind everybody that Cork is completely underfunded centrally in terms of large ensembles. I mean, you know, Limerick has the Chamber Orchestra, Dublin has two orchestras, they even have the Contempo String Quartet in Galway, and Cork has nothing. So we're, we've been led, you know, to our own devices and thankfully um, the Opera House have really stepped up to the plate and, and they, with John O'Brien and Eileen Gleeson and these people have, um, and Deirdre Long, have established Cork Opera House Concert Orchestra which has been doing incredible work and providing a real platform for orchestral musicians in the city, for writers, arrangers, composers and for soloists. So. Um, you know, they, they came to me, and I'd be I'd been doing a lot of work for the orchestra in terms of arranging and writing, 
and uh, when Eileen mentioned to me about doing this gig then I started thinking about I knew how the orchestra works I know I know a lot of the, the individuals who play in the orchestra I know John O'Brien quite well so I thought of individuals who I thought would like fit nicely into that and then I also had some musical ideas myself and I thought of which which solos might actually be able to realise that vision as well so mm. it's been a kind of an interesting pulling together of a lot of different strands and it's been really enjoyable and really challenging but um, something new and different and something which I've, I've really loved. And how do you arrange for, is it, like, do you listen to, like, I don't know any of the, the songs which yeah. you've picked for the, this, this um, Sunday but like, do you just, you know, like, sit at a piano and listen and play along and imagine you're the cello or do you like to, to the outside yeah. ear it looks like, like a lot of arranging and that's why you're called the arranger like yeah. what's the process well I suppose it's like anything you have to kind of learn your craft first of all so I mean you know you'd spend a lot of time I, I spent a lot of time when I was younger just like reading through orchestral scores mm -hmm. um, and very like big band scores various other things and listening while reading through the scores um, and you know you study orchestration you do all these things so you kind of get a sense of what works and what doesn't work in a general sense I guess um, from that and then the more you do it you start to develop your own style and your own devices and you get quicker at it uh, but you do have to take an individual approach I suppose to each song and to each piece of music particularly when they're is like a, a wide range of, of styles and artists involved in a concert like this. So for some people, it is, you know, for some songs, it is a matter of sitting down at the piano and noodling and coming up with ideas. Um, and you'd often come up with a motif and then decide, you know, that would sound good on this instrument. Um, other times, you'd actually specifically think of an instrument and try to write for that. Um, then, I mean, the texture and because the textural range and dynamic range of an orchestra is so wide, um, it's it's almost like painting, really. Because you even see it on the score how dense a certain section is or how how bare it is, and so it is almost like painting. Even though I can't draw, save my life, but you kind of shade in certain parts. And the other thing is when it's a when it's a song, um, I try to let the lyrics dictate what I write. So I really go back to the lyrics a lot and let them inform my decisions. But yeah, it's hard to sum up arranging in a, in a kind of a, in a brief paragraph, but that's It's like watching maybe, Perlo. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah exactly, yeah, yeah, it's Perlo. And he, you know, he's done his keepy up, he's, yeah. and he's done all his uh, rudiments, mm. but... Uh, and could you talk us through, I'll call it the set list, yeah. like what, what's the balance between songs versus tunes versus, you know, jigs and reels? Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's interesting. Um, Strong, who are opening the entire show, have a mixture of tunes and a song or two. Um, and then we've got like a slow air on the pipes, which slow air on pipes and orchestra is something, I suppose, which is tried and tested at this stage, but it's, it, it's tried and tested for a reason because it, it sounds bloody good, you know, and, mm. it, and especially we're so lucky to have someone of the calibre of Ono Rivig living in this city and... Um, 
you know, who's a world-class piper living amongst us, and to have someone like him being able to play slower with the orchestra is really, for me, it's very exciting. And he's joined by Johnny McCarthy, uh, who's my dad, and they're, they they would play a lot in... Um, so you get him cheaper, do you? Tra- oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. He <laughs> pays me, actually, to come. But um, they would play a lot in the trad scene around the city, and I thought it was important to represent that scene because it's so vibrant and it's at such a high level. I mean, I lived in America for a few years and the likes of Ono Rivig would be known over there, let's say, and would be held in just such high regard, you know? Uh, whereas often we take for granted the people that are kind of in our midst. But going back to your, it's the, the balance between different types of tunes and songs. Um, so then we have Nelly Cronin, who's this phenomenal singer from Kule and she would come from that channel, very unique Chanos tradition that's that's present down there. So for me, that was like she was probably the first name on the team sheet, so to speak, mm-hmm. because I, I've I've loved her singing for such a long time, and the the actual the thought of having her sing with an orchestra is something that just really excited me. And mm-hmm. um, so Nell is singing a good few songs. And then we have obviously Martine and Donald doing doing some of their stuff, uh, which was you know obviously incredibly high level and so interesting. And they write with influences from a lot of other ethnic cultures. Uh, so we've kind of and then I've written a piece as well, a kind of a large piece uh, for the night, and that's kind of incorporating lots of elements of classical music and jazz as well. Um, and it involves a couple of the different artists. So there's a wide range of, of, of styles and songs and tunes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, hopefully, you know, it's pretty eclectic. Well, and let's go under the hood. So on one, the, the Shan Knows thing, because like, yeah. I play guitar, I know GDC, I know A minor, E minor for the sad bits. That's, that's 90% of gigs, though, <laughs> that you're available for. But my understanding would be that traditional Shan singing wouldn't follow the exact same scales and keys of... Like this one's an A and D or whatever. Yeah. So do, how do you, how do you marry that? Do you like are we talking a pitch pipe? At the, yeah, well, let's go or I see. Yeah, I mean, there's micro tonalities involved where they will go between the cracks of the notes. Let's say, mm. um, which is also very prevalent in in the blues, for argument's sake. Um, but the you don't actually when writing the arrangement, you don't necessarily have to. The orchestra doesn't have to mirror those microtonalities. The orchestra can set like a, a bed of sound, for for instance, and then the shano singer Nell, in this instance, can can do their thing. And in many ways, by having that bed of sound behind them, the little cracks and the microtonalities that she sings in become more prevalent and almost more expressive, you could argue, and more interesting because there's a context behind it. So, yeah, you don't actually have to. You don't have to change your approach other than you really have to respect and understand maybe where she's coming from or you know where the Shannos tradition is coming from. And after that, it's, you know, I think the biggest mistake you could make is try to mirror that because you know, she's never spent her whole life mastering this. So you, you, you can't expect an orchestra to come along in you know, a couple of rehearsals and have it nailed. Yeah, and, and also take the edge off what her, her, her greatness is. Exactly. So yeah. what we've done is we've expertly talked to the entire guests uh, in, in the whole evening over the last kind of 20 minutes. So I, I suppose just in summation, um, Sunday, 8 o'clock it starts. Yeah. Come along. 
Is there yeah. any? But the one final question, because I asked this when I interviewed uh, Pat and Brian. Curtain closes on your gig. Yeah. Is Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer still manager of Man United? I don't really. I don't care. Well, I kind of. I, well, I hope he still is because I grew up um, in the nineties. You know when United were all dominant, and I supported Cork City first mm. and foremost, and Aston Villa. Mm. So I never liked Manchester United. And um, I mean, this sounds quite vindictive, but I'm I'm delighted to see them down and suffering. And I just think the longer Solskjaer stays there, the longer they're going to stay down and suffering. And uh, so long live Ole, as okay. far as I'm concerned. And I'll wear my city scarf to the Do, concert. Uh, yeah, exactly. And you know what? People should come out and support live music mm. in the city and also get out the cross and support Cork City because uh, these are desperate times, Ronan, and <laughs> the club needs it. And, and if, you're, if you're stuck, uh, you need to fill a few minutes, I can come out and start the... Uh, um, wise men say, oh, and the orchestra can fill in and the city. Brilliant. Perfect. There we go. I, I, I now have to pay royalties for to Elvis's <laughs> estate. But uh, Cormac, uh, thanks very much. I look forward to, you to being the next repeat visitor as well. Thank you. Nice and run. Thank you.